0: Marina. I'm the creator of Embossed, and I've created this space because I wanted to share my thoughts with you. I wanted a, a space to create webinars and podcasts and series. I also wanted to market my speaking engagements and my leadership coaching skills. My first task is going to be to interview a bunch of females in tech around Chicago and I'll bring those stories to you. More specifically, I've been targeting the only 40 females that I found in Chicago that are chief technology officers or CTOs, out of over 700 plus male CTOs in Chicago, and I haven't even gotten into the POCs number yet. So, please follow me, watch them, follow them, encourage them, encourage other females to stay in tech and be in tech. I hope you enjoy. Thanks. Recording. I'm recording. Hello, everybody. I am Marina, and I'm here with Tulasi Ketney, who has um, who has more than 17 years of technology experience, and currently serves as Chief Technology Officer at ShiftGig. Tulasi is one of the few, about 35 female CTOs in Chicago over more than 700 CTOs, and I'm here to talk about anything related to technology. Her experience ranges from startup to large corporations and across several business domains, such as advertising, finance, and staffing. She holds a master's degree in computer science and is currently pursuing her MBA from Kellogg. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you, Marina. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to get into your history, and actually have like all of your history mapped out here. So I'm excited to dive deep into this, um, this concept. But the first question that i love to, to ask is, um, tell me a story about who is Tulesi um, as a young woman starting to get into technology, or how was she encouraged to get into tech?
1: Sure. So I grew up in India and I came to the United States to pursue a master's in computer science. So funny story is um, I wanted to continue to, after my undergrad, I wanted to be in India and work, not pursue a master's. My father, who's highly educated, uh, he believed in higher education more so than I did at that point of time. And he threatened me at that point of time to either go abroad for higher education or that he would have me, uh, he would have an arranged marriage fixed for me. What? But that was motivation <laughs> enough. I think he was just kidding that or, or he was, it was my motivation enough to get a visa and leave the country to pursue yeah. my master's. How but were, he was, yeah.
0: How old were you at that time?
1: I had just finished my undergrad, so 21. And <laughs> you remember, twenty. Uh, It's been 20 years since I came to this country. So back then, it wasn't very uncommon for um, a young girl to get married within a couple of years of her undergrad uh, graduation. What? Not that uncommon.
0: What a a motivator to get you, like, all lit up.
1: (laughs) I think he knew that. He wasn't going to get me married so soon for sure. But I think it just kind of scared me off enough. I ran away. (laughs) I was like, I had to go abroad and pursue a master's or this is the other option. I'm like, thank you, I'm, I'm going.
0: I, so, love how, I love how your dad knew you so well. He was like, here, here you go, go. <laughs> yeah, and
1: exactly, right? <laughs> so I was here, um, did my master's here at Central Michigan University. Um, great experience and I moved, um, and when I graduated, the dot-com bubble hit. And so I didn't necessarily find a job immediately in software engineering, but I took any job that I could find at that point of time, which was a little bit more into account management and software integration and support. For about two years, I worked in client-facing roles, which interestingly, I'll connect the dots later, (laughs) uh, if we get an opportunity, interestingly played a huge role for me in just being a better software developer. Uh, Then I was lucky enough at the company I was in at that point of time, it was a small company called Performix in advertising industry. Mm -hmm. The director of engineering then um, asked all of us, he did skip level level one-on-ones and I told him what I would be interested in, in terms of growth. And when the next opportunity came up in about nine months after I spoke to him, He helped me move into a software engineering role from a customer support role within that company, within the same product. Nice. And from there, I, it's a typical growth ladder in a sense, became a lead engineer, uh, chose the leadership path, uh, became a manager and, uh, here I am working for ship as a CTO.
0: Nice. Um, and here I am, I feel like is an understatement of because I have it in front of me of all of your history and all of the work that you've put in, you know, as a professional female in tech. So we'll definitely like give a proper due diligence Thank there. Um, but um, I guess like probably like what, um, we t- we talked a little bit earlier about like like, how like why are there not as many women in tech? Um, what was the motivating factor for you that kept you in it for all of this time? Um and and, and what maybe what advice I, I know I'm asking three questions, but all related, like what advice do you tell other women about being in tech? So
1: what kept me in it is okay let me first explain what got me into it uh, it's a super i don't have a very special story at that point of time when i was graduating or when i was in college this was the one field computer science that had that was perceived especially in india uh, where i come from a very modest middle class family it was perceived as something that ha- that would have a lot of job opportunities for mm-hmm. the future yes. right so And I knew I didn't want to be a, my father's a doctor, so there's a level of expectation that I would be a doctor, uh, but, or, or other, so I went into, I chose being in engineering, and then this seemed like a, coming here for a master's in computer science seemed like a good career opportunity in terms of where the industry was moving and going. That was my motivation. And I'm glad I did that. I think I would have anyway ended up in some technology fields, given my interest and aptitude. Uh, But what kept me in it is uh, I did a lot of, first of all, in technology, you can do, you just see the power of technology around you, right? It just moves. It has a power to move societies and underlying in a good way or in a bad way. Oh, I got Yes. Right. Uh, so, so it's, it's super interesting. And so that keeps you, uh, that makes it fun on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Um, in the technology industry itself, I started off, uh, when I started off at Performix. the people were super fun. I did not necessarily plan, um, what is going to be my next 20 years where am I going to be as much as next 18 months to 24 months especially I think I read this in the book lean in at some point that Mm. talks about think about where you want to be in the next 18 to 24 months and what are the skills you want to grow and so that's something that stuck with me or the only thing one of the two things that stuck with me from that book and uh as, as I started initially, definitely there was fun product and fun people I was working with that keeps you motivated on a day-to-day basis. Especially as a junior engineer, if you don't have a good team, a good supporting team, a fun product, it, it, it doesn't get you exciting. It doesn't keep you motivated. That becomes important in early stages of your career. And then once you become a leader, knowing that you can actually help mentor people, help shape their career, that kept me motivated, especially um, when I decided to become a manager, uh, I had very little leadership experience. Besides, I was a tech lead and then I decided to be a manager and I thought I could do it. There was a level of hubris there, but I was very humbled by that experience. I did <laughs> not know what I was doing because managing people and managing organizations is so, Super complex. Uh, you think distributed systems is
0: complex? Like, try managing
1: <laughs> <laughs> software engineers,
0: right? Oh, well, managing people is like managing biological distributed systems <laughs> <laughs> that, they, that make their own decisions,
1: right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so that kept me motivated, and along the way, I always, whenever I moved jobs or looked for new opportunities, there are three things I used to look for. Uh, A really good manager, especially as you become a leader, it's so important for you to be philosophically aligned with leadership.
0: Yeah, what does that mean? Tell me like a really good manager, like how you evaluate doing like a one hour interview, right, potentially. uh, Right, so it is hard.
1: But at least, at the very moment, minimum, do they say the right things in an interview <laughs> to begin with? What, what, what are those things?
0: Yeah, what are those things?
1: Uh, sure. Um, for example, right, there were times earlier in my career when I had to argue with my manager about um, having people stay in the office until 6 PM. Simple things, day-to-day things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's just not my style or mandating no working from home, or it's just not my style, or not something I'm able to do. So those are, they they may seem very, they, they are more common than you would imagine. Absolutely. And they may seem like small things, but they are not. Right. Because that sets a tone for the team, that sets what's important. Saying being here is the most important thing means you're saying other things are less important. So those things become important. How do they do hiring process? Do they, I lose sleep over performance reviews. I take it very seriously. I feel like I get it. I don't get it absolutely right. Every time I lose sleep over it, every time, every year. Right. And you never get, um, so is that are the same things important for this person? Mm -hmm. Is the team important? Is the team growth important? Because, Without a team being in a healthy state, the product is not in a healthy state. The company is not in a healthy state. What does the culture mean? So those are the things you kind of, uh, even at least if they're able to say the right things, you know there's something you can you can pivot on and have further conversations. Yeah, absolutely. So those are the things I look for. And my current manager, the CEO of ShiftGig, uh, was actually the person, one of the people who hired me at Morningstar. Oh, nice. So I kind of knew him, understood his, uh, had a sense of uh, the kind of person he is. And that's one of the big motivators to that's be cool. here.
0: Sorry. And then I interrupted you. You were saying there were three Morning. things that you look in your career every time you move. And the first one you said was um, the right manager, right? Um, what were the other two? Fun product. Yeah. A good challenge, a good product,
1: right? Something like that. Yeah, a good product uh, and a good team. Or so, I have some autonomy to build a team I want, right? But it's not just the team that works uh, that reports into me. It's the peer group that becomes important, especially as you go um, add on more responsibility, go up, quote unquote, the ladder. The the culture among your peer group becomes very important Mm. because that's the group you need to influence. That's the group you they influence you. And that's the group you need to align with to make strategic changes or big changes for the company or for the product or the team. So that needs to be a healthy group Mm. that needs to be a non-toxic or not, not a cutthroat kind of a group and open healthy group. So those are the three things, the team, the manager and the product of all these things. If I have a good manager on a good team, if it's a product that's not the super most exciting, I will take that. Mm. Right, you can do great things with good people. And good, right? And, uh, but there's nothing much you can do without a good team.
0: Yeah, totally. Have the
1: greatest idea.
0: Is this a good point to go back to, um, how did the client-facing role (laughs) at the beginning of a career helped you now? especially as it relates to your leadership. Mm -hmm.
1: Sure. So when I was uh, at Performix, uh, the technology stack, uh, you probably don't even, I don't know if you've even heard of this, Pearl. (laughs) I've heard of it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The programming language was Pearl. (laughs) And at school, I had done C and C++. I was super nervous about, uh, oh, I don't know how to program in Perl, but I'll work hard. So they're like, the engineers, not even the hiring managers, my peer, the engineers were like, no, you know, the business. That is awesome. We can help you with this because, because every time they code and push something to a release, uh, something else would have broken because they didn't know that thing existed. But someone like me can tell them, Hey, if you change this, it may have impact in these three other areas. Mm -hmm. Right? So that is, or, After it goes out, after the end user looks at it a minute or within an hour, they get a call from some big client. Why did you change this? We were doing this and this and this, because every bug becomes a feature after a certain amount of time. Uh, I like that. Every (laughs) bug becomes a feature. Almost every, uh, because they start to work around it. They start to have processes around it. So why did you change it? So kind of coming from my role, I knew what are the nuances that clients were doing with our current product. Mm -hmm. I knew, Hey, we need to communicate. If we are doing this and give a workaround. I knew to be able to do those things. Mm -hmm. Nice. I like that. So, and I had a lot more empathy for the client than any of them did inherently by the nature of just where they started from.
0: Right. Uh,
1: So that kind of, and that kind of empathy and interest, and I had to run in my role, run a lot of reports, look at a lot of data for clients in my previous role, and once I started being a software engineer, I was able to really tightly collaborate with the product team, product managers, to kind of, um, hey, but the numbers here says 80% of users are doing this right so why would we make such a change because wouldn't it impact them i'm mm-hmm. able to contribute at that level which they really appreciate you you're a product manager you're a product owner so you know what i'm talking about absolutely that is uh, I See
0: ya. uh
1: that's what they're looking for and i think that's what helped me through and through um to kind of differentiate myself if you will or to bring the extra value to the team and support them
0: it does really help uh bringing in like that business product slash mind mindset into engineering um, and moving engineering is really into more of the user conversation now it's very popular back then was probably not as popular right
1: yeah in 2003 to 2005 no it also you you might find this interesting that 2003 was the first time this company had a new role called product manager and all of us were oh. like, what does that mean what do they do <laughs> so that was a time when product management itself was becoming a discipline of its own in the chicago tech area versus silicon valley i think it's been there for a few more years before yeah, that right. I'm sure, but yeah
0: absolutely awesome cool um <clears throat> Uh, Let's see, um, let's talk a little bit about transitioning from like individual contributor to a manager. Um, I know you mentioned earlier that you thought you could do it, but maybe you had a little bit of a challenge there. Wanna talk to me about like, what were the biggest challenges that you face? How, How did you, know like if if there's somebody listening that is trying to figure out which way they should go like how would you advise they test out the waters or you know what how would you advise they go about choosing and then what are the biggest successes you've also faced by being a manager or turning into you know a managing leader sure so what are some of the
1: challenges so i i was When I moved into an engineering manager role, um, I was uh, pretty strong with technology and my motivations were all wrong. Uh, I thought, um, I saw the role as if I have this role, we can do exactly what we want to do. We should be doing because I know the right things to do. But no, right? Like how I had a mind of my own and was a pain to my manager. Engineers, all engineers under my team also have a mind of their own. And just because uh, I believe I know better, it it may not be true. And they definitely don't believe it. Right. And then to navigate that conversation to influence them, I was like, whoa, what? And then I think I'd started realizing, wait, I was exactly the same way with my manager. And he was patient and he listened to me. But why does this feel so painful right now? And I think, and then how do you resolve conflicts, the egoistic conflicts between engineers, even the debates on code reviews over Python single quote versus double quote. And how, how, how do you resolve these things among them? I did not come with a tools kit at all. And when I became a manager, it was in a different company. It's not like I could turn around to my a different man or somebody I trusted and felt like there was a safe space between us. I was kind of trying to prove myself as a manager to my manager, right? It's one thing if I had, if I had that role in my current company, then I could have turned around and asked for help or support. So it was, it, I wasn't feeling like being that vulnerable with my manager and my new role as a manager. So there was the imposter syndrome that kicks in very heavily and all your assumptions are wrong. So that's, I think my, my motivations were clearly wrong when I moved into that role. I still wanted to be a technologist, except that have more control on the system, more control on the product, more control. And I thought being a manager will help me influence all of that. Mm. Without okay. understanding, there's a whole bag of, uh, there's, there's a whole nother responsibility, which is actually managing people their, perfor- their growth, their performance reviews, um, and each person is so different. It's not just because, oh, my performance review was like this. So I just do the same. No, it's not. The motivations are different. Uh, wh- what motivates them? What mm-hmm. keeps them going in cohesion? That became a bigger problem that got me super interested in it. Mm-hmm. And then I started seeing a team itself as in, an organization is like, um, I don't know if you've heard of the um, uh, author Peter Drucker, he's a management uh, guru from the seventies, eighties, nineties. What did he write? He wrote a ton of books on managing knowledge workers, or how an F- executive should think about a company focus. He he's um, he's big in the management world, and he talks about. I may be paraphrasing, not, not quoting him exactly, but he talks about the purpose of any organization is to take ordinary people and create extraordinary things for the community or society. This is not his exact code. I can look it up, but kind of that stuck with me. And how do you do that? And he talks about any organization being like an organism, the bigger it is, the more you need to maintain it. What does that mean? How does an organization be nimble? How does a team interact? Like all the organs in a body, how do they interact with each other? So it became an interesting engineering system in itself, <laughs> which I wanted to pursue. And it, it has been super rewarding experience along the way. So humbling. Right, 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 right.
0: And, and, and when did things start like actually clicking for you? Or are they clicking, right? Like do you do feel like you're clicking now? I I. Think so. I think after about two to three
1: years of along the way, I think first of all, just uh, knowing I have a lot to learn just changes how I started looking at things, and treating the team as the most important thing. The people, at least that's that's my style. Not necessarily that's the only way to do it, mm-hmm. and making sure they are learning they are growing kind of having those few key things i follow started helping me making sure that if you truly care about the person on the team everything changes around their motivations change and and then how do you align that with product development so the team part is one thing and then working with your peer group in the product is another is another area of learning how do you influence as a leader, that's important, right? It's, it's because if you want to make sure your team is growing, they get what they want, they have interesting projects, how do you, how do you influence in the organization to get those things, to make these things happen? And, and in turn, they do great work, innovative mm-hmm. work, which is at the end of the day, fun for everyone and profitable for the company. So yeah. just like connecting all of that together. Yeah. Um, it's every time there's different challenges, but the core is the same. If people understand why they're doing what they're doing, and if they feel like they can trust and each other and they can trust their manager, everyone will move together. Everyone will help each other.
0: Right. And, awesome.
1: Yeah. That, that takes a while to learn and what the techniques are. Yeah conversations yeah yeah
0: no I like that I like how committed you sound about your team and uh, not only the team you manage but also your peer group as well so that's that's, just, that's awesome I like that a lot um, switching gears a little bit um, actually complete switch of gears just to freshen it up how do you keep up with technology like you seem so you know busy doing all of this leadership stuff like like how do you do it how do you find time to do it? What resources do you have um, to do so? Uh, in
1: the past, in the last couple of years have been busy with a little bit with my school, but before that I used to try to go to uh, at least once a month to some meetup in the local Chicago community. It's a great area because. One, it's like little mini case studies of a new technology someone's actually used. So you can actually, it's just not like reading a book. It's actually someone's touched it, done it, and proven and learned lessons from it. So those are super helpful. That's how I used to um, uh, stay on or try to stay on top of things. Um, Podcasts like Software Engineering Daily is a really good podcast. Mm, Nice. Yeah. Uh, follow and now I subscribe to ThoughtWorks Tech Radar. They provide a comprehensive view of tools and techniques and overall landscape. And then, once you look at that, if there's certain topics that interest me or are relevant for my team at that point, I dig in further and try to do more reading. But that's where you get the 30,000 foot view. And then, this, the One thing I've always liked a lot is like the O'Reilly's newsletters that I used to subscribe to almost, I started subscribing to them 10 years ago. And those newsletters as out of the 10 articles in a single newsletter, there's at least one that captures my attention. And I read it just like very insightful. And over a period of time, just 20 minutes, 30 minutes every other day adds up. It accumulates, right? It keeps you on top of. Things, even Yeah, even if it's been a few years since you've touched code.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, we could go so many ways from here and definitely like your experience is vast. So just a little bit talking, just to mention it, right? You were a software engineer at DoubleClick and you talked about it for about four years. Um, you did a stunt at Google, I believe, for a little bit, um, then went into tech program manager um, became a senior manager, at data logist, um, which that is in Chicago as well, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, narrative science, uh, mm-hmm. huge, com- huge Chicago company. I believe they're still doing very well. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, you move into a director role, a Morningstar, when, when you mentioned you meet your current boss, the CEO of ShiftGig, and then uh, quickly move right into the CTO gig. Um, I think what i would like to know is as a woman of of color um as an immigrant uh i am too an immigrant into america um what are you what are some of the challenges you faced uh being in technology
1: as an immigrant i think whether you're in technology or any other field the first few years was um this is an interesting thing because this came up very recently in our conversations about working from home with COVID. Everything so I'll connect the dots there. The um, first few years was just knowing the norms of the culture, workplace culture in America. Very different how you treat your boss or how you treat your peers, and the um, in, in Asian countries the power index between a manager and everybody else under is super high. Mm. Right, in, in uh, US, it's very, in Western cultures, it's very different. Um, and that's one aspect. And then the first year I was, I didn't understand why people did happy hours. It just made
0: no sense to me. <laughs> aren't, aren't all hours happy?
1: <laughs> oh, oh what, what, wait, oh, and the first time I remember seeing an invite, or oh, hey, we're going for a happy hour for drinks. What does that mean? Why, for drinks after work, why do, do people just not go home? Like, <laughs> and I didn't have a TV when I did my master's. TV is a good source for some of these. Things. <laughs> as much as we can make fun of Hollywood, it still gives you a sense of the culture. So I didn't have, and I, I hadn't read a lot or anything. So, and then there's like the written and unwritten rules in a workplace, right? So just navigating, learning those things become uh, very interesting in the first couple of years, first two to three years as an immigrant. As a woman or a person of color, I was fortunate, I think in the earlier years of my, especially when there's a new fresh grad out of school, everyone on the team is very helpful, very sweet, right? Like early years were pretty smooth. I think it's like mid-management is when you start seeing or feeling palpable, the underlying unconscious biases tend to be more palpable Uh, with your peers. Sometimes you can tell it's hard for people to recognize your voice as a voice of reason or unless it's repeated by another male colleague in a meeting, right? It's it's not something that um, it's, and it's not even something that people tend to do consciously. It's a thing still. Um, in balance, I've been very fortunate to have a lot of advocates for me. Uh, but that's that starts messing with you. That starts uh, getting you riled up sometimes. So it's very important, I think, for younger women or women coming up, they find a support system or... They know how to manage, especially if you're aspiring to have a very successful career, how to manage and navigate through that on a day-to-day basis or on critical things. Uh, There was one time when, um, for example, a role was opened up and closed up within a week. I did not understand how that happened within the company. Wait, no one got a chance to apply. And somebody was already kind of lined up for that those things are the kind of things that d- deter women from growing or kind of continue to apply right so that's something all a lot of i'm
0: probably going off tangent here oh um, you're, you're right on topic like how do you how do you oh my god how do you like even continue because like that's part of my struggle too right like sometimes I get so exhausted and angry and tired. And it's not even like I'm, I'm fed up at any one person. It's just like, it's there and it's kind of systemic. And most people don't realize they're doing it. And sometimes I have to call it out all the time. You know, like, it's just, ugh, right. like, exhaustion. Like, I'm exhausted of doing this. Like, what am I, how do I even stay in the game? You know?
1: Right. So the, not to be all negative, but earlier on, I had, like, I was the, often the only woman in a room. Yeah. So that's kind of an advantage. Everyone knows you. Everyone knows your name. If you're good, you kind of are uh, right. And if you have a sense of humor, it goes a long way. But to your point, how do you stay? Just, just what helped me was, I don't know if you know this, um, uh, Randy Posh from Central, sorry, uh, CMU, Carnegie Mellon. Mm-hmm. He was the person who created Alice Software for women, the for girls to get into software. He was the creator of that. Mm-hmm. And he gave a last lecture and that he talks about you're dealt with the chords, you're dealt with, play it to the best of your abilities. Mm-hmm. And the other concept he talks about is the brick wall is there not to keep you away, but to keep others around you away. So... Just keep those things in perspective. Mm -hmm. And there are times when others were at a disadvantage and you were at an advantage, just, just keep the bigger picture, the longer game in perspective. Mm -hmm. Don't lose the long sight of the long game. Mm -hmm. And right now where we are as a society, yes, these are obstacles, but find a support system or find at least a friend you can talk to often try to overcome that within a day. See if there's silver lining there. There's there's a lot of conversations that have changed over the even the last ten years in a lot of organizations. So awesome. that I'm feeling very, very optimistic about. Awesome. So keep all of those things in perspective. And if nothing else, your audience, I would say, find someone, find me if you need to just talk through that. <laughs> but don't uh, don't think it's the end of the world world is so large if that's not the organization for you find something else but there's no time for you to feel discouraged it's their loss really at the end of the day nice well said thank you and that takes yeah so keep that in mind and it helps
0: you love it i love it uh well definitely it's uh helping me continue and you know motivating especially when I am encouraged by you know, people like you who have made it. Um, I can see myself in other leaders um, as a representation of whether it is my, my gender and or you know, my, my ethnicity. Um, so I'm excited that to have you in the business. So thank you for sticking it out. <laughs> of
1: course, my pleasure.
0: Awesome. Um, let's see, uh, we have a few minutes left. Um, and um, looking at my notes here, um, I think we covered, like, most of the things uh, that we wanted to talk about. Um, so, I'm going to move into the last few questions that I have that I asked my um, my guests, okay? Sure. Okay, great. Um, okay, so what is a book you have gifted the most, whether it's tech or, you know, otherwise, doesn't matter. Um, it's
1: probably a tie between growth mindset and grit. I,
0: Mm.
1: around Christmas, sometimes I try to give my team these books and these are books that were very key to how I saw things and how I perceived things and how I kind of shifted my mindset about things, about success, what it means and what it means to just, uh, what success should mean to each of us. So. Uh, and I hope everybody who reads it gets the same out of it and yeah those were my favorite books (laughs) Um,
0: what is a book you would write I
1: am not too sure I would probably write something along the lines of um, organizations being organisms how you need to take care of them with tender love and care and there's there's no uh, shortcuts there are no shortcuts. So I, I, yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough question.
0: <laughs> no, it's a great, it's a great. it's just, you know, you know, what is important to you and something like that is your legacy. I, I think, I think, I thought, I think that's super interesting, you know, and we should have a different, a whole podcast about like, how do you care an organization and how do you grow it? And you know, all that stuff. It's a long time.
1: Especially in today's world, where right, like public sectors are shrinking and private sectors are growing so much, and it is the responsibilities of companies to make sure that the communities are also doing well. And how do you, and those are the companies that sustain. So how do you do those things? It's big problems. I don't know the answers, and I'm hoping to learn and do over the rest of my career. So that's
0: awesome. That's awesome. someday. Um, <laughs> okay, so if there's one thing you would like the audience to remember um what is what is that one thing there's a lot more
1: support than you know than you realize there is ask for it um, seek it and it's there don't don't give up uh, on your dreams and aspirations it's really important for women and minority to be part of the larger, larger uh, economies and communities and technology, especially.
0: Love it, perfect. And my last question is um, about my uh, new endeavor, which is Unbost. Unbost is a leadership coaching for younger females that are aspiring to develop their career in, uh, um, in technology. Um, and also for for males who are just trying to understand women, and so I give uh, coaching sessions, but also I'm doing this po- this podcast because I want women to know that there's other like us, and that we are we are here to support you, and and maybe you can learn something from this. And so, my last question is, uh, if you heard the word embossed, what does that mean to you?
1: Uh- Especially in a work setting, I think it's what it means is where everyone is a boss and where basically accountability is the queen and not fear of your boss. Uh, Accountability to each other, right? On a daily basis, I feel more accountable and more scared of my team (laughs) that I probably, did I drop the ball on something? Was I supposed to get back to you? Was I, I'm supposed to help you with this thing, Right. More than my boss. So yeah. that I think is, yeah, being unbossed.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining my podcast. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank uh, you. I hope to see you in Chicago soon after COVID goes away.
1: Yes, we'd love to grab some coffee <laughs> with you and uh, exchange a few more ideas. And Great. good luck with your podcast and with uh, Unbossed. And uh, feel free to reach out if there's something I can help with. Thank you, Thank you so you much. Very much. Have a good day. Bye. You too. Take care.